Today I count it a great joy and a great privilege to be able to come and share what's on my heart. I want to thank Pastor Jesse and you know, I want to pa thank Pastor Raul also because you know all things are made because through him things are all these things have become possible. This church, um, this body that that is growing this organism of the body of Christ. Um, today I want to talk about Jesus. And our text this morning will be in Philippians chapter 2. As you work your way there, everybody's got their Bibles, right? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning, my Lord God. We thank you, my God, because you loved us, my Lord. You loved us enough to care to send your own son, Lord, to go through all that he went through, my Lord God, because you wanted to recounsel us. You wanted us to become, to have a personal relationship with you, God. But our sin separated us from you, but yet your son reunited us with you, Lord God. I pray right now, God, that you help us to draw nigh unto you as you draw nigh unto us, my Lord God. Help me to decrease as you increase this morning, my Lord God. And we just want to give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We have um, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. In verse 5, it talks about he was our example, our mindset, we need to have this particular mindset. We need to have the same attitude that Jesus said. He set a selfless example. And we will, uh, we will develop that concept more as we go along. Jesus was God. Prior to coming to Bethlehem, Jesus existed as God. The New American Standard Bible expresses it this way. He existed as God. The New American the New International Version says, who being in the very nature of God. You see, God, Jesus was God prior to the incarnation. He was God during the incarnation, and he was God after the incarnation. We know that, in, um, we know that he was the creator of all things. We know that when he came, that he was too... There was two natures in Jesus Christ. One nature was divinity, which was God. The other nature was human. And so it, it was all one being. We distinguish between the two beings, the two natures, but we don't separate the one nature, the one being. Jesus was creator of the universe. We know 
in, um, in Colossians 15, Colossians 1, 15, 17. In Colossians 1, 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to recounsel to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. In verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. So he, he was the creator. He was the word. In, in the book of uh, in the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. So we know that he was the creator. We know that Jesus was not a slouch prior to coming to Bethlehem. We know that he created the universe. We know that, that he created the planets. We know that the universe is eternal. Okay? We look at the sun, and the sun is anywhere from 500,000 to, to 750,000 miles in circumference. And we know that there's other stars out there that are millions of miles in circumference. So they dwarf the sun. Okay? I'm not going to get too deep into that. But there's, there's stars out there that just make the sun seem like it's just a grain in, in the sand. So Jesus was no slouch. He was out and about creating the universe because when God spoke, Jesus was the word and it went forth creating all things. We know that um, that. They created, the, they created this planet. They created humanity. It almost seems like when we read in Genesis that they started the planet, but then they kind of left it, and then they begin, they came back maybe after the universe was created and began to develop more this planet and to create humanity. <coughs> humanity turned out, see, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they lived in eternity. They had fullness and completeness of love. They had fullness and completeness of relationship within themselves. There was fullness and completeness of respect and admiration for each other. There was so much love in the Trinity that there was no real need to create us. They were complete in themselves. They didn't need us. They didn't. Why would they want us? But God being selfless the way he is selfless, he desired that his creation could, ex could experience and share the same kind of love that they had within the Godhead. So we're not doing him any favors. All right? But unfortunately, we were a big disappointment to the creator. God the Father was offended by the sin of creation. The creation rebelled continually against God. It began with Adam and it just trickled down to the rest of us. We all have this particular nature 
Because we have this concept that God instilled in us that we have what other creations, other creatures don't have is a free will to decide. And unfortunately, we make the wrong decisions and it grieves the father. In Genesis 6, and I think it's verse 6, it says, it grieved the father that of his creation. God was offended. He's been offended. His anger has been kindled throughout the centuries in, in, in eternity, watching his creation continually again and again rebel against him. Yes, Jesus was you know, offended as well. The Holy Spirit was offended as well. But yet, it was God's plan to create humanity, to share with other humanity their love and their fellowship to share it with us. So God, but God never gave up on humanity. He wanted to redeem them. He even, began, he even desired to redeem Adam and Eve because there was an animal sacrifice and they created the skins to cover their nakedness. So there was always the concept of a sacrifice. There was always a concept of blood. And there was always the concept of a life had to be given for the atonement of our sins. And so God says, you know what? I need this perfect sacrifice. I need this perfect individual that can come and who can, who can live for humanity, who can live a perfect life without a blemish, without spot. That he can come because if Jesus would have made one mistake, he would have been eliminated. He wouldn't have been worthy to take, to be the atonement for our sins. But Jesus says, you know what, I'll come. I'll do this for you. He did it out of more out of love and respect for the Father. Yes, we, we received the benefits of the sacrifice that he made. But it just seems as we read through the Gospels... How Jesus always put the Father first. He was our example how a son is to be in relationship with the Father. How we are supposed to have a relationship with the Father because it was Jesus that came to recounsel us to a relationship with the Father. It tells us in Genesis 2.2. That God completed his work on the seventh day and rested. It seems so much, it seems more that he ceased to work in creation, and then he 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 sat back and he began to watch his creation, his the humanity to work out. He began to maintain the universe because in Colossians it tells us that all things are held together by him. He holds the universe together because if he didn't hold the universe together, it'd be a complete chaos. Colossians 1.7, in him all things hold together. The Apostle John tells us in the Gospel of John 12.41, it says that the vision that Isaiah saw was actually Jesus. So in Isaiah Chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Again, we're getting a glimpse of Jesus in all his glory and all his splendor in eternity prior to coming to Bethlehem. 
And the word of God tells us, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. We see Jesus in all of his splendor, high and lifted up in a lofty range um, area of his throne. They say that his robe filled the temple. And I'm sure the temple was far greater than this particular uh, sanctuary. His, his robe probably extended beyond into the other buildings. That's how majestic his glory was. With his crown, he was the king of the universe. He's the one that when God spoke, he created the universe. He sat high. He had cherubims flying around him, worshiping and honoring him. He had all the angels worshiping him. Okay, So he's high and he's lifted up. And again... This, it, it didn't, it wasn't an issue of robbery to him. He didn't think that it was robbery to be equal with God. He was up there in heaven. He was enjoying all the splendor and all the glory of being king of the universe. But he made a decision that he wanted to honor the father. He made a decision, you know what? Father, you want to recounsel yourself to humanity. I am willing to go. He could have sat there and said, you know what? I don't want to go down to hell. I don't want to go to earth. I don't want to become the lowest form of life and become a human being. I don't want to go through a virgin and then live with these people. And then he could have turned against the father and he could have told the father, he says, you know what, father? I don't, you're not the one that's going to be spit on. You're not the one that's going to be tortured. You're not the one that's going to be crucified. You're not the one that's going to be hanging on a cross naked before all the world and all the shame of the world be coming upon you. He could have copped an attitude, but he did not cop an attitude. You know what he did? He chose rather to get up off of his throne, to stand up. He took off his robe, and he hung it on the backside of the throne. He says, you know what? I'm going to put it right there. So he hung up his majestic robe. He took his crown, and he set it on his throne. And from this point on is what the Theologians say that this was the humiliation. He utterly allowed humiliation to come upon him, to come down and to become the lowest form of life. Because as far as humans are concerned, we're the only ones that don't listen. We don't obey. Even dirt obeys. Dirt does what it's supposed to do. When it's desert, when it's dry, when it's parched, the wind will blow it and it'll move from place to place. It does what it's supposed to. When it rains, it becomes mud. It does what it's supposed to do. And it's also useful and it can be cultivated and it produces substances to, to produce life for us. It does everything that it's supposed to except for humanity. If a lion or a tiger kills a human being, it does not sin. He's following through with his own nature, the purpose that he serves from the creator. 
All creation knows that there's a creator. We know that there's a creator, but we don't tend to treat him like he's the creator. So he came down. He didn't complain. He didn't cry out and says, you know what, this is not fair. I want my rights. But he but it needed to be, he knew it needed to be done. Because the Lord's wrath needed to be appeased. He, we needed a replacement on that cross. We needed a replace. We needed someone to substitute for us to take on the wrath of God. And Jesus says, I will do it. We see in the virgin birth, Luke chapter 1, verses 34 and 35. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Because the angel's having the conversation with her and tell her that, you know, the Messiah is going to come through her. And, you know, they're having this conversation. We're all familiar with the Christmas story. So I won't elaborate too much on that. And then, but Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And here is when we begin to, we, we see the, the development of the concept of sonship, okay? There was no sexual intercourse involved so that Jesus was actually born separate from human invention, from human effort. It was all because Jesus decided to, he went down and went into Mary's womb himself. He actually impregnated himself into her womb. There was nothing hokey pokey going on here because we're dealing with a holy and a righteous God that doesn't do like these other foreign gods, the stories that the other gods were, that they would have relations with women on earth and things of that nature. Our God is not that kind of a God. Our God is holy. Our God is righteous. God, he is on the throne. And so, since there was no human invention, no human involvement involved, God the Father stepped up and says, I will be the Father. And from that point, that's where we get the concept of the Son and of the Father relationship in the New Testament. We also see the exampleship of adoption, in a sense, because there was no involvement that God the Father says, you know what, I'll adopt him. And in a sense, that's the same example that we get. We're adopted sons when we accept any and all that Jesus did for us. And we embrace the relationship that God wants with us. So here, we see that Jesus became flesh. We have two natures in one body. Theologians call it the hypothesis union. In other words, Jesus was fully God and fully human, but he allowed, to, he allowed himself to have certain limitations to the point where he never used all of his powers to help himself. He only used his powers to help 
humanity. He only used those things in order to heal them, to try to convey messages to them. But every day we see that every day he separated himself and went into a, a secluded place and began to have uh, prayer and begin to have fellowship with the Father. He says, what am I going to do tomorrow, God? What am I going to say, God? What is it? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to run into? It's not my will to be done, but your will. Again, he didn't count it robbery. He could have just went ahead and did his own thing and said, you know what? I'm going to just go merrily along and I'm just going to heal whoever I want to heal. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. But no, Jesus chose and said, you know what? These words are not my words. They're the words of my Father. Amen? Again, exampleship of how we're supposed to have a relationship with the Father. So here he is in his humanity. He actually took on the form of a slave, of a bond servant. You know, it's a humiliating thing to be a servant. It's a humiliating thing to be a bond servant because you're not the one that's in charge. Someone is over you. Someone has lordship over you. But Jesus willingly submitted to it. He was equal with the Father. He was equal with the Holy Spirit. But yet he... He brought himself to a place to be subordinate to God. And when we think about subordination, we say, oh, this guy's greater, this, that, and the other. You know, he's my superior. But Jesus willingly submitted himself to the Father in a subordinate way to come and rescue individuals that are insubordinate to God. You see, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being found in a human form. Again, back to our text. He didn't think that it was robbery. He didn't think that he was getting ripped off. He didn't think that it was unfair. Him being the creator of the universe, coming and being a, a lowly human being and allowing his own creation to be cruel to him. He experienced rejection. He experienced threats. He experienced cruelty from his own creation. You see, he came. In Romans, in Romans 8, 3, it tells us, By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For our sakes he made him, Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? Amen. We become righteous in God. Not because we are righteous, but it's almost in a sense that there's a cloak of righteousness that covers us up, covers us up and, and you can't see our unrighteousness. You can't see our sinful nature. So we're covered in righteousness of, because of Jesus Christ. Back to our text in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
on a cross. Yes, Jesus endured the cruelty of, of humanity. Yes, he was rejected. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was whipped. He was spit upon. He was, they stuck a crown, a crown upon his head that just stuck into his skull. And then they hung him up on a cross on a tree to be a cursed thing for all of humanity. And yet, that was nothing. The worst part was still to come. He had to endure the wrath of God upon him. From high noon to about 3 o'clock for about 3 hours, the earth became dark. Matthew 27, 45. Matthew 27, 45. The whole earth became dark. And it was at that point where he had to endure the wrath of God. The wrath of God had to be appeased. All of the sin of humanity from eternity past to eternity future was upon Jesus. It was a foul stench of sin upon Jesus. The Father was just, it was such a foul stench that he had to turn his face away. That's when Jesus said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Because God said, you know what? All that sin, I don't like it. But yet, Jesus chose to go ahead and go forth and to allow these things to happen. He told Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, don't you think I can call 12 legions of angels? Don't you think that I can just have them come at any moment I can tell the Father sent them and they can come and they can destroy this entire planet, they can destroy all of humanity and let's just move on to another sector of the universe and start all over. And you know what? He would have been just in doing that. But he endured the very wrath that we were supposed to endure. He was our substitution. We didn't have to deal face to face and go toe to toe with, with God, God the Father. But he did that for us. But you know what? God didn't completely forsake him. God raised him up on the third day. He raised him from the dead. And from that point on, from the resurrection, that's where it's called the exaltation. Where he began to resurrect and then he ascended unto heaven. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Positionally, he's in all glory. Let's go to Romans 8.34 Romans 8.34 Who is condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. You see, the same mind 
that was in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us, you know what, we need to have the same attitude. We need to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Surrender all to the Father. Submit all to the Father. Um, I'm not sitting here telling you that I got it all together. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Um, You see, to take on the same mindset that Jesus did is hard for us humans. You know, the flesh gets in the way. The carne. The carnota. I know. I have to deal with the carnota every day. I have my struggles as well. But you know what? We have encouragement that even the Apostle Paul says, you know, we need to have the same mindset that Jesus said to humble ourselves, not just to the Father, not just to the Son, but to one another as well. That we are to love one another as he loves us. That's a hard concept because, you know, we're, we're you know, we think we're self-sufficient. That, you know, I really don't need this and I don't need that. So, again, the same mindset. And then sometimes we confuse the relationship between God the Father and Jesus our Savior. See, God sent his Son so that we can be recounseled to the Father and we can have an intimate relationship. Okay, so what's our relationship with Jesus? Our relationship with Jesus is to... Be grateful for what he did to follow his exampleship and obey all that he has told us to to do. And that enhances our relationship with the Father. And it's just showing appreciation for what God did as we show appreciation to Jesus. Amen. And so, at this time, you know... um, more can be said. We can go on and on about what Jesus did. We can go on and on about the love of the Father. We can go on and on about our redemption, about how we were saved. But I believe that, you know, God just desires that we that we renew our relationship with him, that we renew our understanding of the price that was paid. You know, you could pray right there where you're at or you can come to the altar. But you know what? God went way, way, way out of his way to try to redeem us. And the choice now is ours. And we here as Christians need to make a decision. You know what? We want to try every day more and more to try to have a better relationship with God, to have a better relationship with us. We've started a new year. And so let us look forward because now Jesus is the head of the church. And what does Jesus want? He says that, you know, the world will know that you are my disciples, you are my disciples because you love one another. We're a small church. We're an organism, a small organism. 
You know, I don't think that God is looking for this to be a mega church, to be a big place, all kinds of people. Yes, he desires that all should be saved and that, that all should come to salvation. But I think he wants to build big Christians. Big Christians in a relationship with God the Father. So let that be your prayer this morning that, you know, we can grow in intimacy with God because he deserves it more than anything. Amen.